We know there are times where you're just too busy to sort through the mass of information that comes your way. So to make it easier for you to stay informed, subscribe to The Morning Agenda, WITF's news podcast, supported by the City of Lancaster. Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, providing primary and advanced specialty care throughout all of central Pennsylvania and beyond. A list of providers in the area can be found at upmc.com slash findadoc. On the northeast tip of North America, on an island called Newfoundland, there's an airport. It used to be one of the biggest airports in the world, and next to it is a town called Gander. Welcome to the rack if you come from away. You probably understand about a half of what we say. They say no man's an island, but an island makes a man. Especially when one comes from one like Newfoundland. Welcome to the rack. Welcome to The Spark. I'm Marquise Lupton. That was the sound of the song Welcome to The Rock, which is a selection from the upcoming musical Come From Away, which is scheduled to play at the Hershey Theater December 26th to the 31st. Come From Away is based on the real events from the town of Gander, Newfoundland, directly following the September 11th attacks when early that morning, the Federal Aviation Administration decided to shut down its airspace, forcing thousands of planes to land at nearby airports. It's a remarkable true story of 7,000 folks that were stranded and how the small town welcomed them. And today we have with us actor Andrew Hentrick, who plays the real-life mayor of Gander, Claude Elliott, who also served as a full-time paramedic at Gander's Memorial Hospital. And I'm excited to have Andrew on with us on The Spark. Hello, Andrew. How you doing? Hey, good. How are you? I am well. I am well. So can you uh, tell us about your journey as an actor and how you got involved in the world of musical theater? Sure. Um, I, I grew up in uh, Fairfield, Connecticut, uh, not terribly far from where you guys are. Um, so I've always kind of been a, a New England boy. Mm. And I, um, I've been doing kind of theater, musical theater for most of my professional life. In fact, most of my adolescent student life as well. Um, this uh, Come From Away is the my fifth national tour. I've been touring professionally for about 10 years. And um very, very excited to be a part of this show. Um, it's an incredibly powerful and moving show. And so it's definitely something that I feel like I've, I've been working towards to get a chance to do a role in a show this, this wonderful. Uh, so that's kind of a little bit of my back, but my background. Uh, went to school in Danbury, Connecticut for musical theater, and then uh, started kind of working professionally as an actor and theater producer and things uh, since then. And can you take us back to your very first play? What was it? And do you remember your role? My very first play? I mean, I did a whole bunch of little, you know, little shows and theater things in like elementary, middle school. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, in high school. The first time I ever worked professionally was a, a, a children's theater company called the Downtown Cabaret Theater in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, they were the first per people to give me a paycheck for performing. So I like to kind of credit that as the first kind of major place I worked. Um, and they did like um, almost like 
uh, pantomime type um, children's theater, um, and they have a they've had a theater a children's theater company there for years and years. Uh, so that was one of the first places I ever really worked. Um, I'm trying to remember. It was a show. It was an original holiday musical called Auntie Claus, based off of like a children's book. Um, and then I did a production of the show Susical uh, at that the at that theater as well, where I played Horton the elephant. Um, so I had some really good times there. Uh, and then the first um, professional tour that I ever did was a show called Jekyll and Hyde, the musical. Mm. Uh, and that was uh, back in 2013. I did my first tour. So um, <clears throat> when did you know that theater and musicals were for you? Was it a time in high school? Was it a time during college? What was that kickover time for you? You know, it's it feels almost cliche and easy to say, but it's I feel like it's something that I've always known that I wanted to do. When I did it in school, it was definitely a hobby. And then mm. I remember um, going on a, a field trip when I was in, I want to say middle school, um, to see the show Wicked as like part of a, a school trip. Um, and I think then it clicked in my head that there were people who actually did theater as a profession, as their like only job and not just a hobby. And I think when I realized that it was like a viable profession, um, I it was that was the only thing I ever wanted to do. <laughs> well, I would not <laughs> say that uh, that's cliche because me myself, uh, I've been wanting to do radio all my life. Uh, so I am right there with you, friend, doing something yeah. that I've been wanting to do since since my youth. Uh, so with musicals specifically. What is it about them that really attracted you to the musical side of, of theater versus just the straight dialect? Hmm, that's a great question. I, I don't know that I've ever really thought about it, what about musicals versus like straight plays attracted me more. I think in general, just the idea of, uh, of, of, of theater as an art form is what attracted me to it the most, whether it be a straight play or a musical, um, because it's kind of a very singular experience in a world where, especially now where everything is digital and you can watch a TV show at, you know, on your phone, on your computer at any time, a movie, you know, the theater is one of kind of those like last things where it's, it requires a gathering of people in one place to witness a performance that happens once. And, you know, so it, it's just, it's kind of a more unique experience. And there's also the, um, you know, in terms of, doing theater there's that there's that um kind of thing where you have to get it right the first time because you don't mm. get a second take or a third take i mean you've got the show and you've got somewhere you know between 40 and 50 people who are all at work in that theater with one common goal and that is to tell a story and to entertain an audience and to perhaps give an audience a chance to just take two hours to forget about any troubles they have and just enjoy live theater and the telling of a story in, in a room with other people. What, uh, so mm -hmm. I think that's what I love the most about it. Um, you mentioned that you were in, um, in some other uh, plays like uh, Jekyll and Hyde. What other tra traveling plays were, were you in uh, throughout your career? Sure. Uh, the first one I did was Jekyll and Hyde. And then after that, I did the first national tour of a musical called Bullets Over Broadway. That was a musical directed by Susan Stroman and written by Woody Allen. Um, wow. I did that tour for about a year. Um, 
and it was a really fantastic time. Uh, I then did uh, the musical Kinky Boots, which uh, was a really popular show on Broadway for many years and toured for many years. And most recently, before Come From Away, I did the national tour of Fiddler on the Roof, which I actually did uh, for close to about four years on the road. Wow. Um, I did a, just about just over 600 performances of that show across the country and, and Canada. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we're, we're stopped here at Come From Away, which is my fifth and uh, arguably one of my more exciting experiences on tour. And and that's what I wanted to uh, talk about briefly next. Um, when it comes to transitioning from from one tour to a, another, do you have to uh, take a break? Do you treat it like a, a quarterback with like an interception and just forget <laughs> about it? Um, or or is it like, oh, well, I've been doing this for a long time. So this transition is pretty easy. What does that look like going from one production to the next? That's a that's a awesome question, actually. Another thing that I hadn't really thought too much about because it just kind of you know sometimes it's uh, immediate where you finish one show and then the next Monday you start work on the next one, and sometimes you've got several months of unemployment before you start working on the next one. Mm. Um, I I tend to like to keep working both for like <laughs> the financial reason, but also for like I doing theater is what I love to do, so mm. I, I love to just keep going. Um, I would say, you know, when you do a show, like a long run of a show, like with Fiddler on the Roof, uh, it becomes so comfortable because when you do a show hundreds and hundreds of times, yeah, you're giving a unique performance every single night, but it becomes a little bit like riding a bicycle where you don't have to think too much about certain elements of performing. Um, nerves being one of them, they kind of start to go away after you've done a thing so many times. Um, but then the the challenging but also i think most exciting part of doing a new show is the rehearsal process where you get anywhere from four to six to eight weeks um to kind of work on something new and take on a new challenge and create a new set of characters or you know things like that um and i i think i find that to be one of the more exciting parts of the job is actually the creative element of being in a rehearsal room and getting the show up on its feet uh, and then, of course, once you open the show and start performing it, that kind of becomes sort of the payoff where you get to experience the show with an audience responding to it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I really like that transition time. Sometimes it's nice to have like a week or two off to kind of decompress from one show going into the other. But sometimes you don't get that much time. Sometimes you get more than that time. Oh. Uh, so, yeah. All right. So um, with with this role, uh in particular, the role of uh, Claude Elliott in Come From Away. How did you yeah. uh, pre prepare for this character? You know, Come From Away is one of those unique shows where we're playing people who exist. Mm. Like, like the real Claude Elliott has commented on my Facebook posts wow. about the show and sent me messages. And we have the opportunity to actually talk to the people we're playing to kind of get a feel for their accent or for mm. their speaking mannerisms and things like that. Um, one of the other cool things about Come From Way is I don't just play Claude Elliott. I actually play about four or five other characters as does the entire cast of the show. Um, you know, there's 12 actors in the show and each one, I think in total, everybody plays about a hundred different characters across the telling of the story. Wow. So I play Claude uh, as the mayor of Gander. I also play Derm, uh, Derm Flynn, who is the mayor of Appleton. 
I play a character known in the script as Eddie, who is a Jewish man who's been living in um, Canada ever since his parents sent him to avoid World War II. Um, I play a character just named Texas Passenger, uh, <laughs> who is one of the passengers on one of the stranded planes who's from Texas. So I actually, I have to play with different accents in the show when it comes to people who are from Gander, who have a very pretty thick and unique Canadian accent, uh, all the way to someone from Texas who has a very thick Texas accent and kind of everything in between. Uh, so it was a lot of... Um, there's a lot of documentary footage about what happened in Gander. So we could watch interviews with the people that were playing. Like I said, we could also communicate with the people we're playing. And then the creative team of our show gave us specific documentaries and things they wanted us to watch to kind of prep us for um, kind of the groundwork and the table work of the show. Mm. Uh, so kind of all that combined went into the preparation for this one. Yeah. Yeah, before we go to our break, um, I, I actually was going to ask that next about the different dialects. So how how do you navigate through those different dialects? Does it take a, a lot of practice? Does it just come naturally now? But yeah, how do you navigate in the same play? How, how do you navigate those different dialects? Definitely a challenge. Um, we first, first and foremost, we had a really wonderful dialect coach mm. who worked with us in rehearsal. So we basically sat down with our coach and said every line we have in the show, and she would give us kind of a critique on how we said it, uh, maybe give us advice on, excuse me, different inflections to take on different parts of the word. Uh, and then we also had like recording samples of different um, of the way different lines of ours would be said in a Newfoundland accent or a Texas accent. And then we could kind of match what we were doing to that. I would say the, um, you played a little clip from the original cast album when we intro introduced this section. And mm -hmm. uh, the album was actually very helpful because there was also a lot of the dialogue in the show is recorded on the cast album. So it was easy to kind of hear it. You know, of course it's another actor doing it, but um, to kind of hear the way they put different um, inflections on different words helped kind of just set the um, set inside us the like dialect. And then, of course, it was just tweaking and fixing here and there all the way through rehearsals and all the way into performances. And now, it, again, like it, it does feel a little bit like riding a bike. Like in my head, it, I just switch between accents because sometimes I have lines that are like, one after the other with different dialects. So it's just a, it's, it was a lot of practice, but we're making it work. Uh, so Andrew, um, I made a promise to everyone that I would ask this question. So uh, has there ever been a moment where one of your dialects bled into your real life? Uh, that's, that's fun. Uh, kind of. Yes. Uh, I would say <laughs> there's two examples I could think of during our little break that we had. Um, the first actually just being the name of the, the, the province, Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in in my good old New England accent, I would probably pronounce it like Newfoundland or Newfoundland or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but they're very, very specific that it's Newfoundland. Like oh, wow. land is where. So now anytime I say Newfoundland, I can't say it incorrectly because they drilled that into us. In <laughs> um, and then another, it's not a line that I have in the show. Um, it's a line that my friend Kristen, who plays the role of Beulah, has in the show. But there's a, a Newfoundland saying that they, that goes, um, Oh, Lord Thunder and Jesus, God bless you, bye. And on first hearing, you're like, 
I have no idea what the heck you just said at all, <laughs> but it's uh, it's definitely like a phrase that now every once in a while when you when you roll your eyes, ah, Lord Thunder and Jesus. <laughs> so that one's fun. I, I've definitely found myself saying that a couple of times in real life. <laughs> so, um, uh, so for for playing multiple ro- roles, what do you find the most uh, challenging? Um, the most challenging thing I would say, other than going back and forth between the dialects, because while that was challenging to learn, it's not as challenging to kind of keep doing, um, the, the show, um, the show is, is very creative, um, artistically in terms of how it's staged. Um, most of the storytelling in our show takes place with three tables and 14 chairs, Mm. and those can be anything from, uh, a Tim Hortons coffee shop to an airplane to uh, a town hall meeting and almost anything else you could think of the uh, drinks at the Legion. Um, so our stage is covered with these little pieces of tape that are different colors. They're called spike marks uh, in theater. And uh, we have to remember the orientation of the chairs and tables for every different scene that we do. And we transition from scene to scene very quickly i would say probably at least 30 or 40 times in, over the course of the show wow um so i think the most challenging thing is is changing between characters but also at the same time changing the set around to be in in the next location and it all happens very fast and very specifically um so it's 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 kind of like um almost like guerrilla storytelling if, mm. if that makes sense it, whereas it's just very fast and very quick and we get the information that you need to the audience because it's almost, uh, I'm almost tempted to say it's like a documentary musical where in a documentary, they'll show a scene of something that happened, but then it'll cut to someone just talking to the camera and explaining what happened in a certain thing. And we do that. We, we just talk directly to the audience mm. where we have to, okay, I have to explain this piece of information to you now. It's important that you get it. Good. Okay. Now back to the show. Um, so I think that element of the show, the, the quick storytelling, is one of the things I find most challenging about it, but also really fun and really challenging, really exciting and really fun. So in in theater, would that be called breaking the fourth wall or what that's, would that be called in theater terms? That's exactly right. Breaking the fourth wall, oh, um, right. which if you if you were to imagine there was a wall in between the stage and the audience, that's the fourth wall. And we don't have one. It doesn't really exist in our show. Mm. Um, the very first line of the show, which I have, um, is directly talking to the first couple of rows of the audience. I look right at them and I say, this is where we are. This is what happened. This is our story. Thank you for being here. Let's go. You know, and then and then it's 95, 100 minutes long and we don't stop once the whole time. Mm. So um, um, we, we talked about the most challenging aspects of playing m- multiple characters, what are some of the rewarding aspects of playing m- multiple characters? Sure. Um, I, I think as an actor, one of the more interesting things you can do is create different characters. I think that's why we all get into it. Um, so the fact that I have have kind of created and get to play, you know, several different characters, sometimes even in the same scene, it's just, um, I mean, it's just one of those things where you, as an actor, there's nothing more exciting, I think, than to be able to dive, you know, headfirst into another character that's, you know, 30 seconds later than the character you just played. Um, I have a lot of fun with finding little 
bits and quirks and things to make each character as different as possible. Um, like I said, the, the cast is also on stage for the entire show. We don't take an intermission. We don't stop. It's one act the whole time through. And so the actors on stage are all we all kind of have is to work with each other. Uh, and so we bring little bits and pieces of fun to our, our, you know, our scene work on the stage. We might sneak a look at somebody or, or try and figure out what relationship you might have with another actor that's on stage as your character. You know, if, if this woman on stage next to me, well, what if that happens to be my wife in that scene? And, and so we figure out how to play that little dynamic. And I think it all just kind of colors the show with little bits and pieces of more exciting things to watch for the audience. Now this uh this show um uh it it encap it encapsulates uh hope, humanity, compassion, leadership, uh community responsibility. Uh what do you feel as though is is the overall theme and and what do you want the audience uh to glean from from these these uh this performance? Yeah, you you really hit the nail on the head there and and what you just described is actually when I first saw this show before I was a member of the cast of the show, I took from it like such a renewed sense of that there is goodness and kindness in people. Mm. Um, I think especially the last like, I don't know, five, 10 years, things have just felt so um, heated and so mm. cutthroat that it's really nice to see a story where while sure things may have been heated or cutthroat at the time because it's a very scary time. There were terrorist attacks and people don't know what's going on and people don't know who's safe and who to trust. And this town, the, the people in this town, they didn't choose to go the route of fear. They went the route of taking care of people and being kind to people and showing people that um, there's goodness out there. Mm. And I, I love the fact that you leave the theater with a renewed sense of that as an audience member. I think it's the most important thing that our show does. Um, like I said, in a time when these people could have chosen to lock their doors and say, listen, I don't know what's going on, but you just landed here and I, I don't want any danger on my family. I don't think anyone could have faulted them for that. But instead mm. they said, no, 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 come on in. I've got a guest room. I can cook us dinner. We're going to take care of you. And that, I think, is the most awesome thing about the show. Indeed, indeed. Andrew, I want to thank you again for joining us on The Spark. This has been fantastic. Thank you for joining us today. Absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.